You're listening to the Higher Ed Marketing Lab. I'm your host, Jarrett Smith. Welcome to the Higher Ed Marketing Lab. I'm Jarrett Smith. Each episode, it's my job to engage with some of the brightest minds in higher education and the broader world of marketing to bring you actionable advice you can use to level up your school's marketing and enrollment performance. On July 1st, 2023, Google's Universal Analytics, the most widely used website analytics platform in the world, will stop processing data. After that date, all of Google's web analytics will be handled by the latest version known as Google Analytics 4 or GA4. While the transition to GA4 has been on many folks' radars for quite some time, there's still a lot we're learning about the new platform. In fact, it's been under near-constant development since it was first released in the fall of 2020. In this episode, analytics expert Chris Sietzema of Teach to Fish Digital will give us an update on the current state of GA4. We'll discuss some of the most important differences between universal analytics and GA4, and some of the ways the switch to GA4 has impacted higher ed marketers. We wrap up with some of Chris's favorite GA4 resources. So if you're in the midst of a transition to GA4 or have already made the transition, but still feel a bit uneasy, this episode is for you. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Chris Sietzema. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Well, I am excited to talk all things Google Analytics 4. I think you were probably on the show maybe, I don't know, over a year ago at this point, and... We were talking GA4, and now, holy smokes, it's definitely here. We're using it. It's weird and different and uh, and still under development. So for anybody who maybe isn't fully up to date, can you just give us the quick uh, Cliff's notes to catch everybody up? Yeah, yeah. So, and you alluded to the fact that we've been using it now, or we're, we're using it now. I, ho- I kind of hope we are. I don't know that that's true for everybody. And so for anybody that's listening that hasn't been using it, it's it's okay. Like you, you're not alone. Um, there's others out there that haven't really jumped in just yet. Um, Google Analytics 4 is just a new version. It's an quote unquote upgraded uh, analytics platform from Google. So previously we've been utilizing universal analytics for I want to say 12, 15 years, something like that. And just at the point that many of us got used to it, Google went and updated the system. The biggest difference, there's several differences, but the biggest difference is that this is an event-based measurement platform. Um, an event-based platform means that previously we could bucket our metrics into categories like page view metrics, like time on page and bounces, and e-commerce metrics, so purchases, um, average cart value, those types of things, and then event metrics, which were anything on click. Um, so PDF downloads, clicks to a button, um, clicks to hit an email address or a phone number or whatever, attempting to call, whatever it might be. And now everything is operating off of this kind of flat circle. Like it's an, everything is an event. So there's no more page views, but there are page underscore view events. And there's no more visits or sessions, but there are session underscore start events. So everything is an event now. Um, and that, in my experience, working with uh, folks on the client side, has been the biggest kind of a hurdle to kind of wrap our heads around that. Um, all of our stuff that we typically use is still there. It's just called something different and it's probably in a different place. 
you mentioned earlier, if anybody's not using GA4 yet, you know, it's not the end of the world. Uh, But there are some deadlines attached with this because Google is sunsetting universal analytics in the not too distant future. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So the plan so far and, and GA4 came out, I think at the height of the pandemic, like in October of 2020, because we didn't have anything else really to worry about at that time. Um, so they announced that around that time. And at that time, they said, okay, around July 1 of 2023, which is two and a half years away at that point, we are going to sunset or stop collecting data in universal analytics. And thus, you'll really want to jump into GA4 and, and utilize that as your primary measurement platform, if you're using Google Analytics, that is. Um, and so that is the date at which Universal Analytics will stop collecting data. Will we still be able to access those reports? Yes, that's what they've said, at least. We will be able to access those reports. The other question that I've heard from folks is, okay, cool. Like, I I really want to be able to utilize my Universal Analytics, my old platform metrics for a while, because I'm doing year over year uh, comparisons and things like that. At what point will they just no longer be available? And no one knows the answer to that. At one point, Google on their site said that January 1 of 2024 is just going to be gone completely. Like they're just going to erase it from the face of the earth. It's not going to be accessible. They've since removed that language and it's just a big question mark. No one really knows. The word on the street is it's still going to be January 1. But if we know Google, we know that they are very good and adept at kicking the can down the road a little bit, um, which is why I, I'm, I wouldn't be shocked, honestly, um, if they move the actual deadline back for 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 the use of, of universal analytics so july 1 is the day which we really need to start using ga4 i wouldn't be surprised if they move that back i wouldn't count on it but it wouldn't shock me so hope for the best but prepare for the worst exactly yep yeah yep. so okay chris uh, why are they doing this i mean it's a whole paradigm shift is it worth it so I've gotten that question a lot, like the, why are they doing this? But it's been phrased a little bit different. Like, why are they doing this to me? Yeah. Like it's in a personal, <laughs> it's a personal affront, which I, I can empathize with. Um, it does feel pretty personal because some of us are in that thing all the time, uh, universal analytics. So why are they changing this platform that we know and love? I think there's three reasons. One is if you compare universal analytics or GA3, the thing that we're, we've been using for years now to some other analytics platforms on the market that are paid solutions like Adobe, for example, most of the quote unquote top analytics platforms are event-based models. So GA was kind of behind the times a bit. And so they're kind of coming up to speed um, with the event-based tracking model. Yeah. I I remember back in the day, like Mixpanel came out and looking at that. And I think that was all based around events. And I was like, whoa, what is this? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Yeah. So the page view model is a little bit out of date. Um, And again, it's primarily because people prefer who've who've been in the analytics industry for a while prefer event based because it gives you more flexibility. You're not kind of uh, limited to those categories we talked about earlier, like page views, events, e-commerce, et cetera. Um, there's also a, a greater level of detail now that's that's available. And so when we talk about events or event tracking in universal analytics, we typically had three little bits of detail that were attached to each event, which are called parameters. So event parameters are bits of detail that are attached. We had event categories, event actions, and event labels, right? So if let's say somebody 
downloads a file like a PDF on the on the on the site. Um, the the category would be file download. The action might be just download, and then the the label would be whatever document that they downloaded. Right now with GA four, you've got up to twenty five parameters that are attached to every single event. So you can see our what page was it on. What kind of file was it? What was the file type? Um, what was the name of the file? What you know? What position was the file? Was it at the top of the page or the bottom of the page? All those different parameters could be attached to it. Um, the other thing I think that's a big upgrade, and the reason why they're doing this is that um, there's a built-in reporting interface. So we've always had custom reports, but they haven't been that great, in my opinion. They'd be kind of arduous and difficult to use. The custom reporting in GA4 is gorgeous, super handsome. I mean, um, it's so basically that, like Data Studio mashed into GA4 is the way I kind of look at it, or pretty pretty close. Yeah, I, I would say it's um, a more nerdy, less handsome version of Data Studio, where Data Studio, yeah. you really need to make things look pretty, for for lack of a better description. You can really do some hardcore analysis and, and explore. Uh, so I think users of the platform will really dig that. There's other there's there's just features that we haven't had before, like funnel analysis, mm -hmm. which is more important for folks on the e-commerce side. Uh, but there's also segment overlaps where you can kind of draw correlations between really important things like conversion events and other more seemingly innocuous events like video plays or the file downloads we talked about or scroll behavior. Like, how does that correlate with with conversion activities? You can change UX and and update different content on the site. Um, the other big reason I think that they're doing this, there's two more. The, other, the second one is really consumer privacy. So there is this feature in Google Analytics 3 and 4, um, such as demographics. Right? If you turn on Google Analytics 4 right now, your demographics reporting will not work. You've got to, as the user of the platform, turn that on. So Google's mm -hmm. basically saying, we don't want to touch this. Consumer privacy is kind of a thing now that we want to remove ourselves from. We're putting all the onus on our users. So you and I, as users of the platform, have to flip the switch and turn those those reports on, which have consumer privacy implications for, for tracking things like interests, demographics, age, stuff like that, gender. Even though stuff. Google's the one supplying that information. Yeah. 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 Like, will you please push this button? Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's also now you're from implicated a, from, too. <laughs> you share totally, the blame. Yeah, yeah. It's and it's very it's very transparent what they're doing. I get it. I guess the, the lawyers must have got involved. God bless them. Um, there's also this is a little technical, but um, IP anonymization, which is a fun word to say, is essentially um, Google's ability to track users by IP. And IP anonymization is just basically, we can't really tell who it is, but we know if somebody accessed the website, not sure who they were, uh, we're not going to collect that IP information. You can't create a report by it. And that wasn't turned on within universal analytics by default. It is now in GA4. So they're covering their, you know what there as well. And there's also more uh, strict or stricter data retention policy. So this is kind of a big one uh, that we might've chatted about a, about a year ago. And that the data retention policy by default is Google will store two months of your data. And I'm going to say that again, Google will store two months of your data and people say, what? That's it? How come? Now you can update that so that it will, within the data retention area of the admin section of GA4, you can update that so it'll collect up to 14 months, but that's it. Um, 
And so they're not allowing themselves to kind of fall into kind of a, a sticky area where they're capturing all this data um, that could have some potential consumer privacy implications. If that makes sense. Um, and to clarify that on the on the data retention piece, does that mean that if I turn on Google Analytics 4 back in October of 2020, I don't have that data? There's just like a 14-month rolling window from 14 months from today. Um, no, you still have that in GA4. It's when you pull that data out into an exploration report, which is the custom reports, or if you pull it into Data Studio or Tableau or Power BI or whatever you're using for visualization for dashboarding, that's when the 14 month or two month, if you don't update that setting, that's when those implications uh, come into play. Oh, interesting. So it's not that they are throwing out the data after 14 months and you don't have access to it. It's just that when you go to pull it, you can only grab 14 months back. Correct. Yeah. So there's within GA4, there's a couple main sections. There's reports and there's explorations, which are the custom reports. In reports proper, all that data is there. You can find it. It's a bit shallow. Like if you ever kind of check out those reports um, a little bit deeper, you find like, there's not much here. I can't do much analysis in here. I really need to jump into Explore. The moment you move into Explore, the custom reports is when that 14-month window is is applied. Mm. Same thing with Data Studio. So now there's, my understanding is there's also like a native connector into BigQuery that is, do you know if that allows you to, within Explorations, go back past that 14-month window if you've connected into BigQuery or... I wish I knew the, the the answer on this. I'm pretty sure that it does not. So any any data that's coming out of reports will will have that 14 month window applied. The big query connector will be important for a lot of folks who are listening to this, but not everybody. Um, those of us with massive amounts of data, let's say I don't know, upwards of 15 to 20 thousand visits or or session start events per month, we'll probably need to look at big query just because it's a, it's a data warehouse, it's a database. Um, and so, and I think that that actually leads to the third reason they're doing this is revenue, right? Um, I think that they're moving away from Google Analytics 3 or Universal Analytics because GA4, in my opinion, has a better integration with Google Ads, makes Google Ads easier to use in terms of audience creation and just the connections between analytics and ads. Mm -hmm. And ads is obviously Google's moneymaker. And then due to, yes, there are privacy implications, consumer privacy implications for why they're adding more strict data retention limits. But that also forces us to utilize BigQuery, which, oh, by the way, is a paid tool. So, um, you know, and, you know, I think you and I have uh, offline talked about cookie deprecation and things like that, uh, which is a different topic, but somewhat related um cookie deprecation essentially is going to make retargeting as an advertising venue like not feasible anymore and those ads those retargeting ads from google like represent a good chunk of the pie for their revenue every month so they've got to replace that somehow so that might have some implications too that might be one of the reasons why they're doing this lo and behold money would be a reason they're doing it so surprise <laughs> yeah shocker yeah so but better Chris, products GA4 is free <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. So, so if you're looking at your crystal ball, I mean, where do you think this is going? Well, they, um, 
as many, many users who've been in the platform GA4 for a while, you've probably noticed like I have that if Google Analytics 4 um, was a vehicle, that vehicle is going down the road at 55 miles an hour and Google is simultaneously trying to change the tires on it. So they are making changes all the time in real time. Um, and that's something we should kind of probably hit on too in that if you don't already subscribe to the Google Analytics alerts and newsletter, do so because they'll keep you informed as to new introductions and, and updates to the product that are coming out because they're happening all the time. For example, when you and I first dove into GA4, there was no such thing as bounce rate. Mm -hmm. And some of us were like doing backlips, like, thank God, no more bounce rate. But <laughs> guess what? Womp womp, it's back. And many people are happy about that because they relied upon that faulty metric. Um, there was no conversion rate. They brought that back. Um, if you're doing um, e-commerce, average order value, kind of hard to track down. It's not anymore. Um, there was no landing page report. They just added that like a month ago. Oh, I missed that so much. I was like, come on, guys. This is like <laughs> such a... Well, it's, it's back now, thank, thankfully. Yep. Right? So so I think they're listening to a degree to those, to those uh, whispers and complaints about what's missing from the new platform. And they're slowly adding those things in, but they're also including new features um, that we didn't have before, which are really nice. There's certain things that I wish they would add still that, that are not there. For example, the channels. So Google buckets our referral sources into groups called channels, right? So mm -hmm. organic search is a channel, direct is a channel, display is a channel. In universal analytics, you could create your own custom channels. You can't in GA4. There is new ones. So you'll see like organic social versus paid social. They can they can draw a distinction between the two. There's organic video, so traffic from YouTube or places like that. So that's awesome that they're bringing those in. But you can't change or edit any of those. I'm hoping that they allow that to happen. Um, for segments or little lenses that you can place on your report. So like I want to see everybody who came to the site from Nebraska or who, who accessed the website from Twitter. Or what, you can add, you apply segments or little filters on every report. And in Universal Analytics, you could save those. You could have a segments roster or like a list of segments you would utilize all the time. You can't save segments. You can create them or comparisons or filters is what they're called now in, in GA4. But you can create those, but you cannot save them, which is, you know, silly. Um, yeah, that's really inconvenient because the segments, I mean, I, I think looking at aggregate traffic just really doesn't tell you that much. You really have to dig down into individual slices of users so yeah, yeah, that's been kind of one of my gripes, which I guess takes me to my next question, which is if you're looking at the what's what's uh, actually been improved from your perspective as we move into GA4 and maybe what's where we're where we're worse off saving segments, I think is one of those items where we are worse mm -hmm. off than we were in universal analytics, but it's not all bad. I mean, there's some cool things, things there. Yeah. What What are you loving about GA4 and what do you kind of saying scratching your head on so i'll get the better i'll get the worst stuff out of the way first okay um so it does take some time to get used to period right so people who are jumping into the system for the first time are you know lost and that's okay and and all i can say to those folks just get more reps just keep going you know what's the quote from churchill like if you find yourself in hell just keep going yeah <laughs> um so um, not every marketing team also has the resources and time to create a custom program. 
that's a that's a weakness of the platform i think because it does require some customization the the analogy i would make between universal analytics and ga4 is that let's say you're going to rent a room you need a place to stay right and you're going to you need a, a room and so universal analytics already has a bed and a couch and television set and a sink and a bathroom and everything is where you you, you know you, what everything is there that you need to live GA4 has some of those things, but there's no paint on the walls. There's no carpeting. There's no baseboards. Like you really need to go in and customize everything and make it a livable space. Some folks will say, great, I can make it my own. That's wonderful. Others will say, oh, I have to make it my own? Yeah. So I would say if you're you know, in the former of that group, great, embrace that. Um, but if you're waiting for Google to create some kind of platform like you had in Universal Analytics, that everything is kind of worked out for you. You don't have to really do any thinking or, or strategy about how you want to measure and what your measurement program should look like. You're going to be waiting for a long time, right? So that's that's a kind of a weakness or an opportunity for I think everybody. The other you know worst thing about it is that um, there are those data retention limits we talked about, and there's also what's called I don't know if you've experienced this with any of your data studio reports. I should call it Looker Studio now, by the way. Um, your Looker Studio reports. Um, there's this thing called quota limits, and maybe some of your listeners have run into this. But if you are creating a data studio slash Looker Studio report utilizing GA4 data that has a bunch of charts and graphs and tables and scorecards and whatever. And let's say you're sharing that thing on a conference call with maybe say eight to 10 other people on the call and everybody's looking at their report from their machine in their own office or home or whatever they're at. The chances of that that thing will break within 20 minutes are high because there's this thing called a quota limit. Have you have you run into this? No. Good for you. I'm, I'm happy for you. <laughs> you will. Um, the quota limit is basically the system has been taxed. The report that you're utilizing that everybody's accessing the data from, there's been too many data polls or extractions of the data from GA4. And so charts will just start breaking. And so, for example, I've got a, a higher ed client up in the Northeast, and they have a data studio report that's basically broken out for every college, every department. And so it's kind of the same report, but just the filters are applied to show, you know, this department versus that department, all the various metrics. When they look at that thing all together, there are... Um, I want to say 18 to 20 different pages in that data studio report, it breaks every time because there's quota limits. And so that's a thing that people will be running into for sure. Um, is there a solution to that? Not yet. Um, and, and basically it's, it's one of those things where you have to limit the number of folks that are looking at a report. There's just all these hoops you have to jump through to make sure that uh, if you want to share a report, and distribute a report, which is kind of the point of Looker Studio or Data Studio, it becomes a little more arduous. So that's that's the not so great stuff about GA4. Um, the good stuff is that it's more accurate. There's less sampling. So Universal Analytics always utilize sampling. So to provide those reports quick, fast, and in a hurry at the stamp of a finger, they wouldn't look at all your data. They would look at most of your data and extrapolate the rest. And so GA4 doesn't utilize sampling as much. And so the data is more accurate, which is nice. I always feel a custom is, is better, more custom, more better, right? So um, like we were talking about earlier, I want to you know make my own room. I want to customize my living space. I want to make sure that this platform is unique to me as possible. And with GA4, you can do that more so than you ever could with Universal Analytics. 
So you can create your own events, call them whatever you want, come up with your own naming conventions, make it less Google Analytics and more your brand here analytics, which I like a lot. And then the other piece I, I really think is just the visualization component. So yes, there are quota limits for Data Studio or Looker Studio. I need to start calling it that. Um, but there's also, we talked about some of the explore reports, like there's those funnel analyses, um, the segment overlaps, there's, there's better pathway analysis. So you can kind of see how people move through the website or through the app or from event to event, from behavior to a behavior, which can be very eye-opening and helpful when you're building out a program and building out content to appeal to an audience. Mm-hmm. I personally have been a fan of the uh, the new attribution model that they have, the machine yep. learning model. I don't really honestly know if it is more accurate than what was in, you know, uh, universal analytics, which I, I feel like any attribution report has to be taken with a grain of salt. But um, but I do like the way they present the data a little bit better. It does feel a little more useful and a little more comprehensive in the way that it tries to represent the user journey and yep. the, the sources and, and that they're, that they're waiting things. Uh, just the, the presentation, the whole, the whole way they present it seems a little more in tune with what I think is actually going on. I would agree. I think that the jury's still out um, only because I haven't seen it really work to the point where it's completely different Part of the reason is that in order for any attribution model to work properly, you've just got to have a massive amount of data, like just gobs of data for it to work properly. So it can do all the math and reach all the points of statistical significance and all that good stuff, right? The biggest difference to folks who are not familiar with attribution models or what the attribution model difference is between universal analytics and GA4 is universal analytics relied upon what's called last click attribution, which means whatever the last source is that provided that traffic, that last source is going to get all the credit, right? So like the, the analogy we probably talked about before is whoever pitches the last nine or the, the ninth inning is going to get credit for all the pitchers that are the, for the win. And none of the pitchers that, that played the game innings one through eight are going to get any credit whatsoever. That's last click, which is no fun. Now that was the default in universal analytics in GA4 they have a new attribution model that is selected for you by default, which I actually kind of like, called cross-channel data-driven. And that's just a fancy word for, we're going to look at all the data and we are going to determine based upon the behaviors that were taken by the audience, which channel or channels had the most impact on the user's decision to finally convert. However you define conversion, we're going to look at how each channel played a role and give more credit to those maybe earlier in the funnel that had, a, had an impact. And the way they're doing that is basically, again, collecting gobs of data and then drawing correlations between behaviors earlier in the journey and same those same correlations with the final conversion event. And so, for example, if we find that, wow, like on the person's, let's say the average visitor takes five visits before they convert. And at some point, those that watch a video, for example, really convert at a high rate. There's a high correlation for whatever reason between conversion behavior, whether it's like apply or enroll or form submit, whatever it is, and video behavior. Whatever channel led to that video behavior, whether it was in the first, second, third, fourth, or fifth visit, that's going to get most of the credit. 
that's kind of a very simplified version of how it works. Um, but again, it takes a lot of data for it to work properly. And I'm holding out hope that it's going to be better. I just can't say for certain if it is yet. So yeah, it's definitely different. The step in the right direction for yeah. sure. Like anything, the last click is a good move. Yeah. And I, I think the unnerving thing about it to me, at least is it, it is very much a black box. So how they're arriving at that it's, I don't know, trust the robot. Um, Totally. Yeah. You know, whereas yeah. like if you were talking like time decay attribution or something like that, you're like, okay, in theory, I could kind of work this out. I can wrap my head around how it's arriving at all this. Yeah, really. I guess there's three options. One is you rely on whatever the robot says, which is the default. It's that cross-channel data, data-driven model. You can choose another model if you want. Like, so in the attribution settings within G4, you can still go to last click or first click or linear. Linear is the one where like everybody gets a trophy that all the, all the sources are, are weighted equally. The other third option, which sounds like a bear would be to use something like big query, some big database tool, pull all that data out and then run it through your own model that you create or you build or you buy separate from Google, which again, sounds like a whole lot of resources and not much fun. Yeah, I don't probably probably a more accurate way of going about it, but holy cats. So is there anything else that you're just really loving in GA4? I got to tell you parameters. You really opened up my eyes to how useful parameters could be and Mm -hmm. collecting all those extra decorations on your events um, can really produce some interesting reports. Yeah, that's exactly the way I would put it. They're they're like decoration. So if uh, if an event or a behavior that we're tracking is like a birthday cake, then the decorations are like the frosting and sprinkles and fondant and candles and all that good stuff, right? So for example, a lot of my higher ed clients really want to track when someone hits the apply button, right? And we've been able to do that for always, really. That would be an old school on-click event. But the issue is for the universal uh, method of tracking, universal analytics method of tracking, we could only gather three bits of data, right? So maybe like, okay, they clicked apply, what page were they on? And maybe what program? There's three parameters right there and we're all, we're done. That's it. Now with GA4, you can attach extra decorations on that on that birthday cake, such as the course name. What was the program type? Is it like uh, master's, doctoral, executive ed, whatever it is? Um, categories of the course, what college it's at, what university it's at, whatever it is. Start term. Yeah. Yeah. Start term, um, the position of the button on the page, the link text, did they hit apply now, apply here? Which was it? For So there's UX implications or user experience implications. You The, the problem is not um, whether we're going to have enough data. The problem is going to be whether we're gathering too much. Uh, how, to, how to kind of tame that. And so what... I've been working with uh, with clients on is basically kind of asking the question, okay, I know you want to gather the faculty name for for the, the, the professor or the instructor for that particular course. Will you ever sort by that? Will you ever create a report to sort by that? Yes. Okay. Let's get it. No, then let's, let's leave it behind. That's not, let's not get data just for the sake of getting data. Let's have an intended purpose for it or a plan for it. Um, but for all those other things, you can absolutely say, yeah, I want to I want to sort by course name and by program type and course category or whatever it is. Right. So that that's all pretty important. Good stuff. So um, 
is there anything that uh that that isn't there that you really have your fingers crossed will come back yeah so i think some of those things that we chatted about a little bit like the channel definitions um the quota limits i hope those actually go away um because those are those are a thing um the other thing is that when you are creating an exploration report which is the souped up custom reports that are new to ga4 if i create that i can't necessarily give you edit privileges so if we if if i create a report it's on it's mine i'm the owner and i'm the only one who can edit that exploration report you can view it i can share it to you so it's read only mode but you can't go in and say oh i adjusted your report and here it is which is probably in some cases a good thing so you know if you create reports nobody goes in and messes with your reports um but that's that's one thing that i kind of hope they fix um and also it's a bit interesting we talked earlier about how there's there's no sampling in ga4 that's kind of true i've seen issues where not all the data will come through straight away to certain reports so i'm hoping that they fix that and make it a faster more usable tool again it's free so we can't really complain too much but there there are some speed issues associated with ga4 and how long it takes to load reports and things like that um but primarily the the sharing privileges is kind of an annoying thing now to get around that real quick if you wanted to let's say i create a report on the owner and i share it with you for read-only mode you can duplicate that report and that duplication is now owned by you so now but now you've got now more you've got reports than you twice need. as many yeah. reports yeah. yeah you've got duplicated reports which is silly so i know that you've helped implement ga4 for a lot of different folks and so i'm curious in what ways is this maybe changing our reporting processes a little bit what can you tell us about that so within ga4 i think there's three options for just data visualization for reporting dashboarding whatever you want to call it there is the report section there is explorations or the custom reports explore and then there's a looker studio data studio or some other you know visualization platform and i think there's each of those options each of those three options have a, a use case um the first one reports again we they're pretty shallow there's not much data in there if i'm going into a meeting in five minutes and i need to get a number quick fast and in a hurry i'll just go there and get it that's the use case for reports. I, I need a number. Let's go get it. Okay, great. If I need to sit down and do some analysis and really start to dig in and see how do I break this these metrics out? How do I kind of compare this by course name or or course type um, or different behaviors and different file types or whatever it is? If I really want to start to break things down, I'll do that analysis in Explore. So Explore is where you get very nerdy. Okay. And then for for any visualization platform like a dashboarding tool like a looker studio that's where you go out and share the data that's where you present the data so if you're sitting on a, a zoom um, or a microsoft teams call or whatever it is or, or even around a boardroom or conference room table that's that's the implementation uh, or the tool that i'd use there to actually share it because it's it's more visually appealing it's not as uh the explore reports are handy uh, and they really allow you to do some great analysis, but they're not sexy, but kind of, they're not pretty. And so the data studio or looker studio is where I'd probably do that. Uh, have you seen any other sort of operational changes that have had to happen as a result of GA4, any sort of process changes that you've noticed folks making? 
a little bit primarily revolving around this idea of, ma- of creating a custom program. And so I think any marketer can tell you what exactly is important to her from a metric standpoint. What are our KPIs? What do we really need to keep our eye on? What's important to us that serve as a guide for whether or not we are achieving success? To actually build out and customize a program is a different skill set. And so internally, for some organizations, I've seen folks who are kind of graduating up to a kind of a data analyst role that also involves not just looking at the data and and preparing reports and siphoning through different metrics, et cetera, but also configuring things. So Tag Manager, which we probably talked about in a previous episode, Tag Manager is a vital tool for GA4. I cannot envision utilizing GA4 to its maximum potential and capacity without Tag Manager. So that is a skill set that is pretty vital. And that's a lot of internal folks that I've been working with have kind of been building those muscles for tag manager. Yeah. Cause tag manager is kind of quasi technical. It's, yep. Yep. you know, yes. Yeah. It was built to kind of supplant the need for a developer to do all your coding work for you. So you and I who are marketers can jump in and actually place tags and place script and tra- tracking code on a website with really just by following directions. It's not too terribly technical, but at the same time, Tag Manager allows you to listen for those very specific behaviors that are important to you and fire tags that feed events to GA4, those custom events, like the apply now button we talked about um, or FAQ buttons or click to play the podcast episode or whatever it is. So those folks that are utilizing Tag Manager are kind of building their wherewithal to understand what to listen for and how to trigger those events so they populate GA4 properly with all the decorations and all the different cakes. Mm-hmm. If somebody is listening to this um, and uh, maybe either they want to, to sort of build up their GA4 and Tag Manager muscles more or they you know, have identified on a role on their team where there's an opportunity for someone to, to kind of uh, build up those muscles. What are some of the best resources that you would point folks to? I haven't looked at it in a while. I, a while back, I was looking at um, uh, Google's resources on GA4 and I found them kind of lacking maybe because the platform's still under development. It was sort of underwhelming, but what are some of the, the go-to places for training and, and getting really kind of serious uh, knowledge on how to use these tools. I think your assessment of the GA of the Google tools is right on it to use a more technical term. I just call them trash. They're, they're not very <laughs> helpful. They're very, they're very good at all. And there's been this kind of whole kind of, um, uh, spring of, of new voices and folks that are really trying to help other people figure this whole problem out. Um, the areas that I typically rely upon or folks that I re- typically rely upon are, uh, YouTube, so there's a really great amount of YouTube channels. So you can actually see the tool and see what button to push and when to push it and, and where to go and where to find certain things and how to work through certain problems. There's no shortage of resources there. The The places I typically go are called Measure School is a really good YouTube, YouTube channel. And there's also one called Analytics Mania, which is a great one as well. Those two channels, they're independent of one another. They're two separate channels, but the two folks that run Measure School and analytics media are very, very good. 
so I would I rely upon them heavily. Yeah, um, at your recommendation, we used uh, Analytics Mania in house to get our team up to speed, and it's really been been helpful. Nice. And, uh, and GA Google has a quiz you can take. So if you look for um, the GA four credential quiz or whatever, it's it's a it's a quiz, and there's fifty questions. And if you you can take the quiz and get your certification for your LinkedIn profile, or your website, or whatever it is. So that's or your resume, whatever it is, you can you can absolutely do that. And it's it's um, something that I would do, but I've also seen folks who've taken that and say, yeah, I just looked at their materials in one screen and took the quiz in another, and it's, you almost have like a work uh, built-in cheat sheet. So you're not really learning too much without getting your hands dirty. So so those tools, uh, those YouTube channels, I would certainly look at. The other thing I would do is just I always encourage my clients to make a wish list. Like what are the events that you've never been able to track before? What are the behaviors that we know we need to measure? And let's make a wish list. And from that wish list, let's determine for every for every item on the list, let's identify the parameters that we want to attach or the decorations to each cake and identify the the various ways that we can create tags for those in GTM and just start going, just start doing things. Whether you are perfect you're getting an A in all those in all those processes doesn't matter. The fact that you're doing them and working through them is the most important thing. You just need practice and reps. Well, and I think one thing that I maybe I've learned this from you is that with uh, GA4, you're a bit more on a journey. So you can do the basic setup. You can start collecting data. It doesn't have to be fully baked. You're you know you may not have baseboards. You may not have doors on your cabinets yet. But you can you can add those things on, and uh, you know, and, and to your point, even your first attempt at adding them on may not actually, much like me putting on actual cabinet doors, may not be perfect the first, second, or third time you try it. <laughs> yeah, I'm really digging this like home maintenance uh, metaphor because it never ends. Like you know, you know, it, you, as a as a homeowner or anybody who's who's managed a property or whatever you it never stops it never stops right there's always something to do there's always a a list of things that we're trying to improve upon and i would say governance of the platform is is also kind of a crucial skill um going forward in terms of all right we're gathering data we're collecting the data can we utilize it are we are we wielding this tool to the best of our capability and if not how do we change things do, do we change the naming conventions or again, if we're collecting all this data, do we ever sort by it? Okay, no, let's clean it up a little bit. There's new pages, content, sections of the website that are that are being brought on. Do we need to update that? Maybe we're going through a, a website refresh or a redesign. How do we plan for that? And so it's always an ongoing process, just like the management of a website or an app is. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one thing I think you're you're quite good at is documenting what you've put down so that when you know someone in a key role your analytics person moves on to their next job that there's uh, some sort of artifact left behind that tells you hey how is all this arranged actually thank you i appreciate that and and yeah i i think that just like we talked about earlier um how google tag manager that tool is basically attached to ga4 going forward I don't see how, in a similar vein, I don't see how you could actually do GA4 configuration preparation of a measurement program without writing it down. Like it, there's has to be some kind of documentation, no matter how 
fancy ornate simplified that is we've got to write it down for two reasons number one when you're creating it for the first time it's almost like a guidebook as you're implementing tags and making sure that things are tracking properly but then when you see some uh, events come through you might ask like what is that what was that one again what so the documentation becomes at first is a recipe for configuration of the pla- of the program after that, it almost becomes like a historical, it's like a glossary. It's a historical record of everything that you've got that, like you said, you can pass on from one to the next. If you're doing it properly, everybody from the CEO, from the intern can read that thing and understand where to go, what to do and how to utilize it um, and how and why this this program is built the way that it was built as a true reflection of us. Well, Chris, there's been a lot of really good information. If folks want to reach out to you to find out more and maybe even get some hands-on help with uh, GA4 and analytics setup, what's the best way to do that? Probably through my email, which is chris at teach2fishdigital.com or the website is teach2fishdigital.com. Um, I've also put together, we talked a little bit about documentation. I'm happy to share some sample documentation with Anybody who's listening to this, if you go to teach2fishdigital slash GA4, teach2fishdigital.com slash GA4, you can find a sample document that I've used. It's not editable, but you can make a copy. It's just a Google Sheet that you can access. One of the tabs in that Google Sheet is a, how do you use this document? So you can kind of check that out and read it. Yeah. And I I do think uh, anybody who hasn't uh, done their documentation yet, Chris, you're doing them a, a huge solid by putting that online and allowing folks to to go get it. It's a big, big leg up. So anybody out there who's interested, I would encourage you to go go snag that Google sheet. It'll save you a lot of time and, and keep you organized. It's good to see. Too. Every time I'm in there, I see a couple other people in there at the same time. So I know it's being utilized. So that's nice. Well, Chris, it's always fun to talk to you and to uh, continue to learn. So thanks so much. Thanks for having me. The Higher Ed Marketing Lab is produced by Echo Delta, a full-service enrollment marketing agency for colleges and universities of all sizes. To see some of the work we've done and how we've helped schools just like yours, visit echodelta.co. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And as always, if you have a comment, question, suggestion, or episode idea, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at echodelta.co.